Hello and welcome to the Bundesliga show, the review uh, show on every Monday night with myself. And obviously today I'm joined by Peter over in America. How are you today, Peter? Doing well, looking forward to getting back to the Bundesrepublik soon, but uh, always a pleasure to, uh, to chat German football with you on a Monday. It's, it's the next best thing uh, to being in, uh, in my country. Yeah, and obviously the vlogs will be back with you soon as well. We have actually just been talking a little bit about some potential vlogs over the next few months. Obviously, we've got the winter break not that long off as well. So obviously an international break this coming weekend. And then I think the uh, the winter break starts on the 20th of December as well. So that'll be about, what, is it three, four weeks this year, Peter, the winter break? Yeah, it used to be a month uh, in Germany. But um, since the pandemic, it's it's been consistently shortened. <clears throat> There's Rory uh, from the Isle of Mull. Well, that's an yeah. interesting. Wow, one. yeah, Rory checking in from the Isle of Mull. That's <laughs> in the yeah. middle of nowhere, somewhere in uh, in Scotland. But yeah, that's hope you're enjoying it, Rory. And yeah, you can uh, you earn yourself a little break, and hopefully you enjoy the show tonight. Anyway, so yeah, also Moritz as well checking in with us. Yeah, lovely weekend of Bundesliga action as it always is. And unless you're a Cone fan, yeah, let's be honest. For the last eighteen months or so. It's not really been that many good weeks for FC Cologne fans. But yeah, uh, just a little bit of admin as well, as you mentioned. So remember to uh, keep liking, commenting and subscribing if you enjoy what we do. You know, we are slowly building towards that next 100 mark. And, you know, we've got more and more vlogs and interesting shows for you guys. We'll probably have a few roundups as well in the winter break just to kind of keep things ticking along nicely. So you kind of Bundesliga appetite doesn't run down too much. But yeah, I mean, where better place to start, Peter, this week than our uh, kind of very popular nowadays uh, kiosk club. So yeah, I know you're over in America, but you're still nice and well prepared. So what, what are the German papers saying this week? Then? Well, uh, Dortmund have lost their second consecutive league match. Uh, they did, of course, win in the, uh, the Champions League against Newcastle uh, midweek. And uh, that was an interesting match. Uh, Newcastle fans paid tribute to Dortmund fans to thank them for keeping ticket prices low. <laughs> they held up a sign that said, we got change from 20 pounds. Um, <laughs> you know how they paid for their tickets in pounds, I guess. I guess you can do that electronically. But um, in any event, um, since Stuttgart did beat Dortmund, here fliegt in BVB Austin Titelrun, and this is precisely how Dortmund has um, <clears throat> been thrown out of the title race. <laughs> so if you thought last week's headlines uh, after the Bayern victory were cynical, um, they were quite cynical as well. Uh, we will be discussing that match, of course. Um, the uh, the Bild uh, pointed out a, a refereeing inconsistency in that match. Uh, two penalties conceded by former Stuttgart keeper Gregor Kobel. Uh, this is the one uh, and when he took out Undav and a little later when he took out Silas. There was some inconsistency about why, uh, which one should receive a yellow card and which one not. Uh, for that reason, it says uh, even the, um, <clears throat> the match official, the Schiedsrichter, or the Schiri, as we like to call them in German, uh, has some sympathy with Dortmund. It's been another big week uh, for Harry Kane, the Englishman, uh, a uh, very important brace, and he was actually involved in three of Bayern's uh, four goals. So Kane knipst, Neuer flucht, Bayern siegt. Uh, Kane delivers, uh, Neuer uh, dives, uh, and Bayern win. The kicker, um, which I strongly recommend that since you're in Nuremberg, you go get your hands on a physical copy. 
Uh, Leverkusen are leading uh, the headlines, of course, with Maximale Hinga, but we won't be talking about the Leverkusen match directly. We'll run through it uh, quickly on the best of the rest. But another dominant victory for them over uh, Union Berlin. It looked like they were flagging a little bit after last week's uh, near uh, comeback loss to Hoffenheim and also a fairly flaccid performance in the Europa League on Thursday. Uh, but it's been another big win for them. Two goals off of set pieces. Chabi is uh, continued to be tr treated like a god in the Bundesrepublik. But up here, uh, and it's hard to see that, but there is a, an interview uh, with your uh, with the administrative team of your Bavarian Swabians, Mark, of, of FC Augsburg. Uh, the newly appointed uh, sporting director, um, Marinko Jurendic, uh, he was the one who took Stefan Reuter's place not too long ago, uh, and also Michael Ströhl, uh, who is a, a, a new um, sort of uh, managing director, uh, two new guys that were put in, uh, are talking about the future of Augsburg, um, how they hope that uh, they can build a European side within a couple of years. Uh, we've talked often, particularly on the watch-alongs, about how uh, Augsburg and this U.S.-based investor Bolt Football Holdings are a little bit sketchy. And the kicker, I, I read uh, the article, uh, the articles uh, today, and I was, I was a little disappointed that they glossed over that. Uh, but at any rate, um, Augsburg are undefeated on, under their new uh, coach, Jastorup, uh, the, uh, the Dane, the, the super Dane who has replaced Bo Svensson. And, uh, there's lots of interesting material on Augsburg in today's print edition of Kickers. So I uh, sincerely hope that you, uh, that you go grab yourself one, Mark, and, and uh, you'll enjoy reading uh, some good news about your boys, uh, <clears throat> your top-tier boys, and uh, being uh, uh, real boys, but your top-tier boys. Yeah. There's a lot of good information about them. We'll talk a little bit about them uh, when I go through the rest as well. Unfortunately, something of an incident in the stands overshadowed Augsburg's Hoffenheim match um, this weekend. But we'll get to that when we uh, when we run through the rest. Yeah, definitely some good old-fashioned scrapping there, as you'd say in the UK. <laughs> it reminded me of a scene from 1980s Britain at a Premier League game, to be honest, that in the away end at Hoffenheim-Augsburg. Obviously in, uh, in Augsburg as well. But yeah, definitely. So yeah, thanks for that, Peter. It's always an absolute pleasure to hear what the uh, papers in the Bundesrepublik say. But let's hear what we've got to say as well now on the game. So we're going to start our countdown from top to bottom. So yeah, I mean, there were so many good games as there pretty much always are in, in German football. You know, we talk a lot about the goals, the penalties, the controversy, the bad defending sometimes as well. And I think this game pretty much had a lot of that as well. The Werder Bremen versus Eintracht Frankfurt game. I think I actually, I've got to give myself some credit as well on the predictions. I did tip a two-all draw, so I've got to give myself a little bit of credit for that one. You know, a bit of a pat on the back, as they say. But yeah, I thought the game was really good, especially the second half. I mean, obviously, Werder Bremen flew out of the blocks. He had a few chances through Dutch, but then eventually it took a penalty from the foul by Ansgar Knauf, actually, dragging Jens Stage down pretty clumsily, really. That was comfortably dispatched by, you know, probably Werder Bremen's leading man, uh, Dutch, nowadays. Then, into the second half, and I thought it was a wonderful header as well from Boré. I was really, really happy to see him score against his former club. He didn't celebrate, which was a little bit controversial, because I think... In recent weeks, he's, he'd actually criticised his parent club, uh, Frankfurt, as well, for the way they kind of didn't really inform him last season whether he's going to be playing or not. Yeah, but then obviously Frankfurt, as they've often done this season, you know, they, they don't lose many games, only one defeat in 11 at the moment for Frankfurt. And they did 
come back very strong through that man Shakiri, who's probably their star man nowadays. A really nice strike from just outside the box to um, the near post of the Verda standing keeper. And then, yeah, classic set play goal, which was uh, nicely finished by Smolcic as well. So, yeah, Peter, I mean, who do you think would be happiest with this point? And were there any tactical kind of nuances you saw in this one? Um, Frankfurt will obviously uh, be happy with the point. Um, thank you for bringing up Rafael Santos Bore. I should uh, point out that uh, he enjoys immense respect in German footballing circles. And I've uh, said many, many times on this pod that I'm so excited that he's back in a, in a Bundesliga starting 11 again. Uh, congratulations to Marvin Duksch as well. Uh, who has been called up to the German national team, our latest solution uh, uh, for our striker problem. We could see Marvin Duksch and Nicholas Fuhlkrug start together <laughs> <laughs> for the German national team. Uh, isn't that something? Um, you know, Frankfurt have really surprised us this year uh, because they've gotten it together far, far sooner than we thought that they would. Um, uh, under the uh, Dino Topmüller regime and, and after what was an incredibly hectic uh, summer of, of transferring out, in which they lost, in which they loaned out Rafael Santos Bore and sold Rando Colomuani on deadline day. So they got rid of their first uh, uh, two strikers. And there's so many rumors about who, uh, which striker Frankfurt are going to go over or go after in the international break. Um, the latest ones today, Union Geraldo Becker, but Omar Marmouche has uh, suddenly decided to arrive uh, for some reason and has just been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Faris Chaibi, uh, the Algerian who was uh, brought in sort of as a Jesper Lindstrom replacement, had another good match, um, uh, should have scored a, a goal himself. Uh, Marmouche had a couple of good chances uh, in the first half as well. Um, Skiri, we always knew that he was going to become sort of a midfield metronome because he's so consistently uh, impressed with Kern over the last few seasons. Uh, but he's really come on fire. And that's also in large part thanks to the fact that this young Swede, uh, Hugo Larsson, who looks like he's about 12. I, <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's 19 or something. But good Lord, does he look like a baby. He's a he's a baby on the uh, on the pitch. Um, <laughs> so, but he's he's been amazing too. And um, what a hit that was from from Skiri off a off a throw in off a dead ball in which uh, Bremen weren't set. Uh, Marmouche was involved in that. Uh, the the second goal was was a very well designed set piece uh, in which uh, uh, Marmouche delivered the free kick and uh, it was headed over. Uh, was it by Buta to uh, um, yeah. waiting Smolcic. So yes, I mean, hats off to Topmüller's uh, uh, Frankfurt. Um, they've they've surprised us all. Many many surprise uh, players have surprised us all. Really, nothing too negative you can say about them. Well, aside from the fact that Bullion Pacho made an error uh, uh, or a couple of big errors, and Ansgar Knauf is quite sure what we're going to do with him, uh, Mark. I mean, he's he's uh, conceded a, a penalty for the second time this season. He missed a sitter in this one. Um, so much promise for the young lad, uh, but he just seems to mentally, uh, the last, oh, I would say nine months uh, for both the German U21s and, and for Frankfurt, he's kind of, he just makes so many mental errors and seems frustrated and seems to be having maturity problems and things like that. Um, kind of sad for a player of, of such promise. So he's probably the only... Uh, uh, a negative aspect of what I can say about Frankfurt at this uh, at this point. 
Yeah, I remember when Knauf kind of came through. I think it was the back end of the the uh, Europa League winning season, wasn't it? And like he was really good, obviously scoring goals at the latter end of that tournament. But I think since he signed on a permanent deal, he just hasn't really done the business for me at times. You know, I think last season was more miss than hit, and I think it's been the same this season as well. And it's uh, you know, as you mentioned, another potential German. Um, young prospect that's not really kind of fulfilling expectations at the minute. But talking about German pop prospects, I just wanted to kind of touch on the German number nine uh, situation as well. Obviously, Dutch is like the latest man in a never-ending conveyor belt of German number nines that are being tested here. I think it was um, it was Becker last time, wasn't it? He didn't really do it, and I don't even think he scored since that yeah, game Barons. as well. Yeah, yeah. Baron. Sorry, not Becker. Baron. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's 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 really it's going to get very ridiculous now. I mean, you know, uh, I bet you Maximilian Bayer and Nick Voltamada aren't too far behind uh, when it comes to uh, yeah. Bayer. I'm I'm all for Bayer. Probably yeah. deserves a chance uh, at it. But yeah, I, I think you you put that very well with the conveyor belt. <laughs> Everybody's a freaking kind of candidate now. Let's well, hey, let's throw Clint, uh, Tim Kleindienst into the mix. Uh, yeah. Why doesn't he get a shot? You know. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I was surprised Dutch because I would say that Bayer has been more impressive really this season. I think Dutch is good, but Bayer looks more like a potential number nine to start in the Euros than Dutch, I would say, realistically. you know. But for some reason, Nagelsmann, he seems a little bit reluctant to call the young man up. Maybe because his kind of rise has come from nowhere, basically, because obviously last season he was playing second league football and this is his first year as a proper fully-fledged Bundesliga professional but yeah, I'm a little bit surprised to see he's not being um, uh, called up, to be honest, because they're running out of time at the end of the day. After these friendlies, then there's only the, the March friendlies and then the pre-tournament friendlies, basically. And then it's going to be the Euros. So a little bit surprised to see no buyer, but who knows, maybe Dutch could be the man to send Germany to victory next year. But yeah, for, for these two teams, I think both are on a good path. I mean, Frankfurt are probably on the better path than the... Um, than Werder Bremen, but I think realistically for Bremen, they just wanted to stay up again. They're still, you know, establishing themselves again as a Bundesliga side after the, you know, dreadful relegation under Florian Kohfeldt a few years ago. Mm. But yeah, I think they look pretty good. Peter, anything to worry about for Bremen, would you say? Or do you think Bremen are going to be comfortable mid-table this season? Um, You know, they they didn't play up to their potential. We talked a lot about this on the spring pod that you know they had that that bad uh, streak of matches between uh, March and April, and and they weren't that bad, you know. Um, the um, I think that uh, a lot is really working out for Bremen. I think that I still like Olivier Demon and Mitchell Weiser as these wingbacks. Um, I think Marco Friedel, the young captain, uh, played a, a very effective match here. Um, in terms of the the midfield pincer, what they've done is they've taken our, our boy Jens all the world's a stage and they've they've put him in there, you know, since uh, Christian Gross and, and the other new guy that they got uh, aren't necessarily working out. Um, yeah, they, they should be fine. They should be fine. And look, Borai and Duksh, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to seeing that. I always like watching Romano Schmid as well. I liked I liked yeah. when he did first uh, uh, goal yeah. as well. He's an impressive one, the Austrian. So... Yeah. And there's Paul. Oh, oh, we can't wait, Paul. We're gonna have you yeah. over. But we got it. That's that's. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be something. Yeah, I know that Paul's a big fan of the former East Germany as well. So we can head over there to go and see a Dynamo Dresden or a Lok Leipzig. That'll be a proper. Uh, ah, yeah. Oh yeah. Bring, does, yeah bring Paul checking in. Yeah. 
yeah, bring all the books and we'll we'll have a yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll have ourselves a good Aussie weekend. Yeah, bring your uh, fighting gloves as well. I think over there. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Paul. Of course, yeah. As you know, you're always welcome to come down. I'm sure Peter would also be up for meeting you as well over here in the Bundes Republic. Yeah, another couple of comments as well. Rory again saying Frankfurt certainly improving. Bore bagging against his parent club is a strange one as that doesn't happen in England. Yeah. That is true, actually. Yeah, it's very, very rare that I've seen that because I think English clubs, they normally don't want the opposition getting any advantage over. So basically, they normally kind of include a clause that says you can't play against the parent club. But, you know, that's not for everyone. And I actually prefer the German system, personally. I mean, it happens on occasion. It happens on. It happened to Vincenzo Grifo, I think, uh, when he was on loan uh, at Freiburg uh, from Hoffenheim, was it? <laughs> No, no, no. When he had just transferred, um, it happens. It happens sometimes in German football. It's not yeah. very often, uh, but it but it does happen. And I appreciate the uh, Moritz's comment about Davy Selk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. But, if all else fails, Davy Selke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Davy Selke and Maximilian Bayer. You know, they have kind of the the same build. You know, they're mm. they're, they're they are really uh, the kind. Of, well, uh, what happened to Davy Selke? That's like a. If we ever have another pandemic again, we'll uh, we'll do <laughs> and, and like the Davy Selka retrospective. Sixty minutes on Davy Selka and what the hell happened? It's like those HITC sevens uh, videos. What what happened to Davy Selka? Basically, but to be fair, he did bag his third goal of the season this weekend. So let's not yes. criticize him too much. So, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next game, which was a bit of a hammering. It was a Friday night hammering in Nordrhein-Westfalen where Gladbach absolutely basically ran through a desperately poor-looking VFL Wolfsburg team who, to be honest, I was checking the news all weekend for the firing of Nico Kovac. I just can't believe he's still in a job, to be honest, because last season was... You know, it looked like they might just get top seven, but then they lost that home game against relegated Hertha Berlin to drop out of the Conference League place. And this season, again, they started well, but the last four or five games have been putrid from them, desperately poor. And this, for me, this was a firing performance, if I'm being honest. You know, this looked like a team that they've lost real... They have no idea what they're doing on the pitch. I think a few of the players even criticised him. I think Maxi Arnold came out and criticised the constant rotation of uh, Kovac as well at the end of the game. And this was a desperately poor performance. I mean, I'll, I'll focus a little bit on Gladbach as well because they were very good and they looked to be improving under the you know solid coach in Ciohane. The, the first goal was a really nice goal, you know, which uh, nice team move. The ball came in from the side, a nice easy finish from Kranchara. Then, yeah, I mean, what was... Um, Second goal was Wolf from, from uh, Castiles, who's not having a good season really at all. You know, a, a, a goalkeeper that has always been rated as one of the best in the Bundesliga for probably three, four years now. He was uh, desperately poor, basically passing it straight back to the young man, Wright, who actually did really well to hold off the defence and finish uh, with a few men around him. Then, yeah, more and more chances, just a few kind of half flickers from Wolfsburg. I think Jonas Wind had a good shot, which was just wide. But aside from that, it was all Gladbach. And, you know, in front of the ultras as well in the second half, Honora got his first goal in Gladbach colours, which, again, probably should have been saved by Castiles, but still a nice strike for the improving Frenchman. And then that man, probably the form man at the moment, Playa, uh, completed the scoring with a really nice finish as well to make it a very deserved but desperately 
worrying 4-0 win uh, for Wolfsburg. Yeah, so Peter, what did you make of this one? I mean, how good were Gladbach and how bad were Wolfsburg in this game? Um, like you, I was checking the headlines to see about Nico Kovac's firing over the course of the weekend. Um, you know, we've talked about his tactical tinkering, uh, you know, as somebody who, who is a tactical football writer. I mean, it's, it's, it's the bane of my existence. I, 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 you know, I'm constantly cursing Kovac for this over tinkering. Uh, he's like Pep Guardiola in the Champions League uh, on crack. I mean, he's 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 constantly doing too much, too many tinkering. And it was actually his sporting director, Marcel Schaefer, along with his disaffected captain, uh, Maximilian Arnold, who in their post-match interviews uh, made no effort to disguise the fact that they were not fans of this, this needless tinkering. Uh, Schaefer, I wrote an article about him. He actually specifically said, we need automatisms. Uh, we need, you know, things to sort of um, work automatically in place. Ironically enough, we I see a, a question about Urs Fischer there in the in the comment chat. So uh, Urs Fischer's uh, Union Berlin pr proves that automatisms don't always work. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, this was it was just a weird lineup. Jonas Wind is a service striker behind Thiago Tomas. I, you know, Arnold and Vranks together in midfield, even though Kovac said that Vranks took Arnold's spots uh, uh, earlier, things like this. It was, it was a very poor match from um, my American uh, uh, Kevin Paredes, who I thought had actually been tearing it up, really. I mean, he's, he was in the starting 11 and I was full throttle. I just thought he was was incredible. Uh, luckily, we got uh, an assist from Joe Scali, another one of my Americans in this one. So uh, it, it sort of canceled out. Um, or pre-assist, I should say. Um, you know, uh, it was uh, the Gladbach fans really deserved a home win like this because they've had some really tough home games uh, this season. Um, and it was a very, very special night for Rocco Reitz, uh, who has been a Gladbach player since the age of seven. It was actually a topic of post-match interviews. It was really touching to see that uh, his his German interviewer from DAZN um, it held up a, a little uh, trading card of him at the age of seven uh, in the Gladbach uh, kit and colors and academy and things like that. Uh, so very good game from them. Um, we talked about how uh, a good Gladbach actually can be at the beginning of the season, um, you know, because they have made good signings in Honorat uh, and Kvankara uh, and, and players back in form. And another American, Jordan, who was who had to sit this one out injured, is has surprisingly uh, found his form uh, again. So yeah, I mean they they are a very good team, uh, and and they do deserve to be higher up in the table that they are. But the story of this one still has to be, you know, Kovac's. He just he rotates needlessly, and he did this. Uh, it worked at Frankfurt. Um, it uh, uh, did not work at Bayern. Uh, that's why he was ultimately let go uh, at Bayern. Was it match day 11 uh, of, of 2019? Um, because he was, he was just making all this ridiculous uh, uh, tinkering. And he offended Thomas Müller, which you can't do if you're the coach of Bayern. So, uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, this, this team, Germany's green company, uh, company team, needs to be performing better. And I don't see, after the comments that Schaefer and Arnold made, how Kovac gets the dressing room and his administrative team back behind him unless he can get results. 
Um, I, I believe that we, uh, we see him probably sacked uh, if, if a poor run of form continues over the next three or four weeks before, before the winter break. And yeah, since Oliver Glasner left, we've had a, had a series of very, very bad Wolfsburg trainers. We've had Mark Van Bommel. Uh, we've had Florian Kofeld for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why he was hired in the first place. <laughs> and uh, and Kovac and this team missed out last year, and they're on pace to do it again. So I don't know. I mean, who do you who do you bring in? Of course, maybe Bo Svensson. <laughs> he's available. Maybe even Oliver Glasner again. Who knows? Because he's <laughs> yeah, not done the job since then either. Yeah, and York Schmatka's not there anymore, so Glasner can can uh, can definitely. Yeah. Oh, he won't have any problems with the front office. Yeah, but I think let's be honest. Who would really want to manage? Who with any kind of um, you know clout would want to manage Wolfsburg at the moment? Because as you say, that they've got some very good players on the squad, you know. But as you say, that it's a team that just looks. It's a club that just seems down and out at the moment to me. You know, the fans aren't turning up for the games. You know, the stadium looks half empty a lot That's of the always- time. That's always the case, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I saw the stadium on, on Friday night and literally the Gladbach end was completely and utterly uh, sold out. And then you just saw that little away tribune at the corner and it was just like maybe two fans from Wolfsburg had made the trip across. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I know Wolfsburg aren't the best supported team in Germany, but I think normally they have a few more than that. But I think it's just a team that looks beleaguered at the minute and it's just... I think that win against Leipzig in the cup has basically saved their season, I think, stand at the moment, because, you know, at least they are still in the cup. I seem to remember they've got a decent draw as well. I can't remember exactly who they play. Maybe someone in the comments can remind me on that one. But that's pretty much all that's keeping their season alive at the moment, because, I mean, Europe looks beyond them. They're not going to get relegated, okay, but they just look a pretty beleaguered outfit at the moment. I agree that I can't see Kovac making it to Christmas, personally, but... Yeah, for Gladbach, things are going on the way up. Uh, obviously, Sioani is a good manager. I'm glad to see him do well after the, you know, that brilliant season at Leverkusen. But then the second season, it went a little bit AWOL, didn't it, unfortunately, for him. But, you know, he seems like quite well thought of as well. Um, he seems well thought of by the fans there at Gladbach. You know, they seem to back him. You know, they seem relatively happy with what's going on at the moment in Borussia Park. But as they you can see be. from the table, both of these sides are actually level on points on 13. So I think both of these teams will want to kind of, you know, push on more towards the top seven if possible. Well, it will be Gladbach, uh, Wolfsburg in the Pokal. Is it really? No way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Gladbach as well in, in yeah. Gladbach. Oh, jeez. Maybe maybe we should say that Gladbach have also uh, finally gotten a decent trainer in place after a string of, uh, of uh, mediocre yeah. uh, performances with Adi Hütte uh, and um, uh, Jesus Christ. Have I for- no Daniel Fark? I forgot him already. <laughs> he's actually doing well at Leeds. Incredibly, he was appointed as a Leeds United manager, and he's doing well. So yeah, it's, sometimes it's just like the the manager doesn't fit the club or the squad. Or whatever. Sometimes. Just a few others. Yeah, Christian mentioned about Urs Fischer. Yeah, maybe uh, are you a Hertha fan, Christian? Yeah, but <laughs> to be honest, I think that one is coming as well. I've got to be honest. I was speaking to an Union fan today, actually, and I said, I, I don't know at the moment. You know, I, as much as we all love Urs Fischer, can you continue to watch these defeats pile up? You know, and like obviously bad behavior from some players behind the scenes. It, it looks similar kind of situation to what's happening with Kovac. 
for Wolfsburg. Yeah, Moritz just mentioning about, yeah, uh, Köln signing a lot of has-beens. Yeah, Luca Valchmi. I remember that one good season he had at Freiburg, and since then his career has gone a little bit pear You remember when uh, Max Meyer came uh, during the season? Yeah, <laughs> Max Meyer. Max Meyer was there. And he Is he even playing play. anymore? His career was an absolute – his career completely collapsed. Yeah, when he, okay. he moved to Crystal Palace, almost didn't play for three years. Then he came yeah. back to Schalke, was it? No, he, he came back to Köln, actually, as well. He came back to Köln, and, uh, and then I think – uh, that was the, the the campaign where they had Marcus Gisdol and uh, fired him and brought in good old Friedhelm Funkel, the yeah the, yeah Feuerwehrmann. <laughs> but Meyer got no no playing minutes uh, uh, for either coach really, and I think he ended up in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not Although uh, Moritz just said he ended up in Switzerland, yeah, probably <laughs> that says it all, really. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Yeah. So let's uh, kind of take it on to the next level now. So we're going to go into the the kind of two big games, and it's no surprise that you know Bayern Munich have got themselves once again on our featured four list. But I mean, it wasn't all for positives in this game against Heidenheim because this was a really entertaining game, and you know it once again showed Heidenheim's ability to score goals but not keep them out on the other end. That's the problem. But yeah, this game, I mean, started off once again, it was that man, England's captain, fantastic, Harry Kane, with another goal. The, the first goal was just world-class, really. You know, it was that man, Sane, who's been absolutely brilliant as well this season, by the way. He deserves so much credit, and German fans must be really excited for what he can finally doing a German shirt because let's be honest he's never really done it in five six years in a German shirt but I think this is the best form that he's put together that I've seen since he left Man City to be honest but yeah he the first goal was world-class genuinely from them to the second goal was yet another Heidenheim undefended corner which led to an easy header well it was still a good header but it was relatively easy for a man of Harry Kane's ability that was a 2-0, you know, I think Kleindienst had a half chance in the first half and a couple of other efforts. But other than that, it was a pretty steady first half from Bayern. But then came back um, Heidenheim. And the first goal was a really, really nice goal, by the way. The ball was really well won back. And uh, it was that man, Bester, my favourite man, best of the best, running at the defence, playing it wide to Dinkchi, who's also been really good. And he played a beautiful ball across to Kleindienst, who scored his fifth goal of the season. And just a few minutes later, really, really dodgy playing out from the back from Kim led to uh, Bester also deflecting it off Kim as well. He didn't have the best of days, to be honest, the, the Korean. But he ended up equalising just two minutes after it became 2-1. So at that point, you're thinking maybe Bayern are going to drop points for only the second time this season. But, you know, followers of the Bundesliga should know better than to think that because... It was a quite a well-worked move, which led to the shot and Guerrero kind of tapped home. It was still quite a good finish, actually, through a few bodies. And he got his first goal for Bayern Munich, the former Dortmund man. And then, yeah, uh, it was obviously Chupo Motting with a really nice header, by the way. That was a beautiful header to finish off a 4-2 win. But Peter, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this game. What kind of stood out for you? Were you impressed with Bayern or do you think Heidenheim were a little bit unlucky in the game? Uh, I was superbly impressed with Bayern. Um, I think that finish off the turn on the first Harry Kane goal was amazing. I agree with you that the the, the corner was horribly defended. You had eight uh, Heidenheim defenders in the box there, and they gave Kane all the space in the world. But it was still a, a, a powerful and, and emphatic header. 
Uh, Kane uh, was involved on the, the fourth goal, the Capra goal, and uh, Chupa Moteng's goal as well. Uh, he was operating as a 10 uh, at that point, uh, which is actually <clears throat> very, very common in German football. Um, is that, I mean, we have this term like a halb neun, uh, a half nine. Um, strikers, in uh, pretty much all strikers uh, uh, who are coached by German coaches are expected to make a lot of deep drops. Uh, and affect play, and Harry does that splendidly, and he does that uh, happily because he's just that—it's just that damn good. Um, it is a record: uh, 17 Bundesliga goals uh, through 11 match days. Uh, Girassi is back on the pitch and has scored from the spot. We'll talk about that in a moment. So the the, the race for the golden cannon is is still on. Um, you know, you mentioned Kim, uh, who was responsible for the defensive error on that uh, on the first Heidenheim uh, pullback goal. Uh, Freund, uh, Christoph Freund, the, the new Bayern sporting director, addressed that directly afterwards and said that, look, he's he's tired. Uh, you know, he's been playing almost maximum minutes. He also, you know, has been uh, representing the South Korean national team. Incidentally, does anyone... Min Jae Kim is nicknamed the monster, right? That's his. That's his nickname. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the biggest man in South Korea. I think that's why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Italian fans mistake him for a Japanese player or something, and you know think that he was a Godzilla or whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that that would be yeah a more uh, appropriate nickname, I think, for uh, for a Japanese uh, center back uh, than a than a South Korean one. But in any event, I mean, he made that error. Um, the 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 comeback was was on in terms of the score sheet, but there never really seemed to be, in my mind, any doubt that uh, uh, that Bayern were going to go back and and, and take the four two win. Um, Post match uh, stuff. Uh, Meinke, uh <laughs> he's a man after my own heart. You know, they were talking to him about, isn't this really cool that you that you shut off Bayern? He said. You know what? The problem here is that we've got uh, what ten points through through eleven match days, so nearly one third of the season is finished. And he said, ten points is neither feast nor famine." The German phrase is "entweder uh, um, fish oder Fleisch," not not fish, not not meat. And he extrapolated that and said, uh, "You know, one third of the season is is nearly over." Uh, and if you, uh, uh, we're going to have 30 points at the end of the season if we continue to go this route, which is not enough. Why is that not enough? Because as we mentioned last season, as we were uh, doing some great pods down the stretch of the season, 35 points, 35 points, 35 points, 35 points. We can't emphasize that enough. That's what you need to stay in the Bundesliga. So Heidenheim aren't on course quite yet uh, to stay in the Bundesliga. They, they do still need to do better uh, despite um, all of their um, – you know, uh, uh, rather uh, encouraging uh, performances. Uh, they're just not racking up the points total. Um, with regard to Jerome Boateng potentially going to Heidenheim, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not happening. Uh, he's not going to Bayern either. Uh, Bayern uh, officially said, I mean, they allowed him to train with him, uh, but uh, he's, he's not, uh, they're not going to pick him up due to the controversy, his legal controversies. Um, Frank Schmidt actually spoke on the matter and said, I, and Frank Schmidt's been in charge of this was his 600th match in charge wow. of Heidenheim. He's been in charge of Heidenheim since 2007, and uh, you know he is um, 
he said, I don't want Jerome Boateng. I want to build up young guys uh, and, and help them develop and help them progress. I have no desire for Jerome Boateng. Then Boateng's agent uh, was called by Germany's main sporting tabloid, Sportbild, and said uh, that, um, <clears throat> well, Jerome doesn't want to freaking go to Heidenheim. They're the one who wanted him. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's not happening, uh, and um, I thought that was kind of humorous that you know that the that the agent had to felt the need to be like he's not going <laughs> Podunk Town. By the way, I should mention that um, with respect to Heidenheim, Mark and I tried to get tickets uh, to do a match day blog there, but all of the home games are sold out uh, as soon as as soon as it goes on member sale. So. We can't get access to this sleepy little town, uh, even though we're trying our best for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it is such a great story, isn't it? But a little bit more about the relegation race, because you mentioned that 35 points. So the last season, you were saying that the whole season, you were absolutely right, basically. Like, I think, basically, Augsburg needed results to go their way. That was the only way they stayed up on 34 last year. Whereas if they had 35, they would have been perfectly safe, basically. So... What do you think about this season? Because there's a, we've mentioned a lot that, you know, you've got Union who are really struggling, Mainz who are still not really hitting the straps yet. Then obviously you've got the two promoted sides, Darmstadt and Heidenheim, who are both averaging below a point a game through a third of the season. Do you think it's still going to be that 35 points or do you think we could be talking a little bit lower this season? Um, it could be a little bit lower this season. Pardon me. Um, it could be a little bit lower this season. That, that is possible. Um, you know, given that we have a lot of teams that are going to continue to struggle. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, it, it seemed impossible that Union uh, uh, could could really actually be contesting the relegation race with the high caliber players and the, and the good signings that they have. It still <laughs> seems possible, but this, this streak of 12 consecutive losses I mean, on the trot, yeah. what, what the hell? I mean, everything is imploding. And they could probably make it even worse by bringing in the wrong trainers. So, I mean, they're, they, you could probably say that Union are going to contest the relegation race at this point. Uh, Kern are not rising. I, I, don't, I don't see them rising in, in any way, shape, or form. Darmstadt will continue to have problems. Um, uh, and, and Bochum are going to have problems scoring goals and, and, and Heidenheim as well. That's, Yeah. I mean, there, there's if you're looking at a at a six-team field, and Augsburg could always slip back down into that uh, a seven-team field. It's possible that they, that you could get by with with 32 or so. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so let, let's move on to the game of the weekend then, which was, I mean, not so much in terms of goals, but it was a pretty crazy match in terms of incident chances and just about everything. Yeah, I mean, Stuttgart 2, Dortmund 1. Obviously, Stuttgart ending a run of two consecutive defeats in the league with a fantastic win in the end. And not only the win, but the performance, I thought, was absolutely superb from start to finish, really. I mean, obviously, the, the first point is, I mean, the penalty from Furich, which was woefully missed as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but this was the first save that a Dortmund keeper made in about 10 years in the Bundesliga from a penalty. That that was the commentary that I was watching, which is, I think, since 2013, which is just an incredible statistic. Obviously, Gregor Kobel gave the penalty away, got the yellow card, then kind of 
Furyk, obviously, they missed three penalties in three consecutive games as well. Stuttgart, by the way, now. I think Undab missed the first one. Then it was Silas last week. And then Furyk this time. So, yeah, they, they were definitely happy that Gurasi came in later on. But, yeah, it was actually the away side that took the lead very, very much undeservedly, by the way. I mean, this would have been the biggest smashing grab ever if Dortmund had won this or even got a point from it, to be honest. But it was that man. It, it was actually Zagadou. I know Rory's not the biggest fan of Zagadou, but he's actually been really good this season. But he made a pretty poor error. He got his feet kind of mixed up, didn't clear, and full crew basically just had a tap in. Not sure why he didn't celebrate. I think it might have been because of how poor Dortmund were before that point, basically. And I think he knew basically that they didn't deserve to have the lead at that point. But anyway, the lead didn't last long. And it was a really well-worked goal by Stuttgart to equalise, by Undav, who, by the way, has scored three goals in uh, four games in the absence of Gurassi. So he deserves a lot of credit as well. I think he was really good. This was his best performance, actually, Undav. He was absolutely superb in this game as well. And he just shows the kind of strength and depth that the Stuttgart side have got at the moment. Then moving on to the second half, you know, it was just chance after chance, really, from the home side. Furyk had a shot just wide. It just seemed like uh, Undav had another force, a few good saves from uh, Kobel. But then it was actually Kobel who was probably Dortmund's best player, ironically. He actually felled Gurasi for the second time he fell, fell the player. Obviously, the returning Gurasi who came on just a few minutes before that incident, he felled him. I, I was watching the game and I just couldn't believe he didn't get the second yellow card. I was like, how can that not be a second yellow? But obviously, it wasn't given. But obviously, Gurasi being Gurasi, had no problems from the spot. The first penalty that Sugar have scored in four games, and they went on to hold out quite comfortably for the last 15 minutes or so. So, yeah, Peter, I mean, first of all, I want to ask you on the, the Cobalt potential red card. Do you think he should have gone, or do you think it was right that he stayed on the pitch for that second penalty? I think he should have gone because, I mean, they were they were almost mirror plays. Uh, so if the ref was going to be consistent about it, he admitted afterwards that, um, you know, he, he wasn't entirely sure that he made the, the best subjective decision. And he got uh, less than average marks <clears throat> in the German press for that. That was part of the kiosk club that I, that I held up earlier. Um, yeah, this was uh, Stuttgart absolutely ran riot. Um, they had a 4-1 XG ratio. Uh, Dortmund scored the opening goal, as you mentioned. It was incredibly flattering. It had nothing to do with the run of play. I mean, Stuttgart were running riot. They were completely running rampant over there, uh, over this this horrible Dortmund side. Um, you know, with former Dortmund rejects like Dan Axel Zagadou. Uh, and <laughs> So you know, uh, Gregor Kobel wasn't uh, wasn't the only guy facing uh, facing one of his his uh, old teams today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I first and foremost, when it comes to the penalty, I'm just happy that Stuttgart got a chance to win this match because if they hadn't, that would have been horribly uh, unfair. You know, that would have been horribly unjust based on the incredible performance that they put through. And Kobel saved; he, he prevented it from being four five nil. Tactically, once again, everything worked for Sebastian Hoeneß. Uh, Dortmund were a little bit surprised uh, to see a 4-4-2 uh, with Milo sort of as the, um, well, what Germans call the Unhängende Spitze. I guess it's a mixture between a 10 and an anchoring uh, attacking midfielder. Um, 
freaking Jamie Leveling was good in this one. <laughs> I mean, everybody was good in this one. That that was that you know. Actually, I neglected to mention in the Bayern match that Bruno Sar was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but uh, so between Bunasar and Jamie Leveling, uh, uh, you know, having great weekends, a couple of great surprises there. Um, it, what can you say in terms of positives from a Dortmund perspective here? You can't say much. You really can't. They I were mean, dreadful. This, they, were, they were dreadful. They were absolutely dreadful. And uh, I guess it's no exaggeration for them to be sort of taken out of the title race at this point. And uh, I, I don't know why exactly. I mean, uh, uh, Terzic had this this club off to a decent start. He had a lot of players uh, that were rounding into form and, and were coming into form. Maybe that's Bo Svensson's next station. He'll follow in, uh, in Thomas Tuchel and, and Jurgen Klopp's footsteps directly and go from Mainz to Dortmund before, uh, before the season is out. But congratulations to... Um, uh, Stuttgart, congratulations to Rory. Congratulations to Sergio Grassi for coming back on the pitch and scoring uh, uh, immediately off that penalty. That's what put this match, you know, uh, perfectly uh, uh, tuned there. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of I mean, uh, Undav uh, has been a, an excellent replacement for Grassi. And, and Undav also worked as a, just like Harry Kane did, as sort of a half nine, uh, a 10 mixture after Grassi came on the pitch. And Undav was talking on the sports studio on Saturday night. And he said, uh, you know, I'm, it's just a privilege to play behind uh, Serhu Grassi. The man can score blindfolded. So that's, that's, a, that's a nice little dangerous uh, uh, thing. Uh, to look at there. They, they could both start. Undav could be his service striker uh, in the coming weeks, uh, and that would potentially be some some explosive stuff. Of course, we talked about it many, many times with Stuttgart, and uh, we can talk about it with Leverkusen too, and pretty much any Bundesliga team at this juncture. Uh, the uh, Africa Cup of Nations and the uh, AFC uh, Asian Championship are coming in January, which yeah. means... Bundesliga clubs are going to lose players to both continental championships. And, and that really is going to influence the title race a lot. Yeah, without doubt. Just a few other good comments as well. Um, yeah, Rory saying big love for Zaga this season, but it's not his best work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Moritz also saying Heidenheim is unbelievably difficult to get tickets for. Yeah, he's going to try for Eintracht, Frankfurt and Köln. Tickets, yeah. If if Köln is still in the Bundesliga, yeah, I know you're a Köln fan, Moritz, as well. We're, we're hoping for you. Yeah, and just another fan as well, VFB Slayer, saying, yeah, Weidenfeller versus Boateng in 2013 was the last... Weidenfeller. Yeah. He was a proper goalkeeper, Weidenfeller. Yeah, proper, proper German goalkeeper, yeah. But, yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, just one other point as well from Moritz as well. Any thoughts on Timo Werner as well? The sporting director said he's open to him leaving in January. Yeah, it just hasn't worked out for him in his second return to... Uh, to Leipzig, to be honest. And I think he's now quite a way down the pecking order. I think, obviously, uh, Opender has started well for Leipzig. Uh, you know, Poulsen is still prepared, prepared to him, which says everything, really. And I think, obviously, Sheshko was given a start as well against Freiburg at the weekend. So it seems as though Timo Werner has dropped 
quite a way down the pecking order. I know he's played a little bit on the wide, but he doesn't look like he's that comfortable on the wide to me. He looks like a player that prefers to be down the middle. Um, <laughs> what do you think, he, Peter? He's a left-lane striker. <laughs> Jeez, really. sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay, buddy? All right. Yeah, all good. <laughs> All good there, yeah. Hey, think it's, it's cold and flu season over there. There are lots of Germans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. Um, the, uh, he's primarily a left-lane striker. You know something? It might not be a terrible idea if uh, – of course, I don't think the Swabians can afford it, but if he could go back to his hometown of Stuttgart, yeah. maybe he, uh, he finds some success there. You know, I mean, I, I think that um, it's – I, I'm shocked that he didn't succeed in, in the light because he's almost he's built to succeed in that RB Leipzig 4222, uh, the one that uh, Ralph Ranić uh, uh, sort of pioneered and Julian Nagelsmann made some. Uh, he's running that on the German national team right now. Uh, but, you know, this was this was like the system, the high tempo system that Ranić uh, uh, debuted at Hoffenheim, brought with him to Leipzig and Nagelsmann followed in his footsteps in both cases. And I just thought to myself, I mean, he's perfectly built for that. He's a left lane striker for that 4-2-2-2, but it hasn't worked out for him. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's – I think that <clears throat> when you when we talk about the German number nine crisis, you're not even in the discussion. Anymore. Yeah, it's incredible, really. In the discussion at all. Mm. So He was meant to be a 10-year number nine for Germany. That's what he was being bigged up as when he kind of first came through and he had – what was it? Those two amazing seasons for Leipzig, where he got like fifty goals in two seasons, and then that's why you don't go to the Premiership, guys. You know, stay in Germany, stay in Germany, guys. Kai you Havertz, listen, stay in notes as well. That's, that's what we were to ask. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Kai Havertz, take note too. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's just go through the best of the rest as well, there, guys, because there were a lot of other good games as well that we couldn't cover in too much detail. So the Saturday afternoon games, Augsburg made it four games unbeaten, as Peter said. You know, good second half from them. First half was all Hoffenheim, Voot, Vegas score for the third game in a row um, to give them the lead. A really nice goal, actually, from Hoffenheim, a team move. And then it was that man, Demirovic, who probably got the goal of the weekend, really. If it wasn't for that little nick off the head of Volpt, it would probably have been goal of the weekend. Fantastic strike from him. What a player he's turned out to be, by the way, Demirovic. I think, you know, since he moved from Freiburg, he's barely put a foot wrong in 18 months at Augsburg. And he's become a real fan's favourite for them. Another game was obviously uh, the, the nil-nil, let's be honest, board draw between <laughs> struggling Darmstadt and struggling Mainz. I think most people thought there'd be goals in this because, you know, there are a lot of good attackers on display, but not that many good defenders uh, so far this season. But as it happened, it was a stalemate. I think Mainz will be the happier there, in my opinion, because, you know, obviously they've just beaten Leipzig, so it's okay to get a point after a game like that. Then the late kickoff as well on Saturday, Bochum versus Köln. I think Moritz, you'll probably be quite happy with the point because I felt as though Bochum are quite a lot better, especially in the second half, ironically. I think after Köln equalised, it was just like the Alamo being sent in, basically, from Bochum. It was just chance after chance after chance. But as it's often been for Bochum this season, you just can't get those decisive goals in games anymore. There's nothing wrong with the performances of the Nordramas Farlands, but they don't win games this season. That's the problem. Then, as for Köln, they'll probably be happier with a point on the travels. But 
let's be honest, he looked like probably the they look like a bottom two side to me in terms of performances at the minute. Then moving on to Sunday games, the two we didn't cover, Leverkusen with just an absolute, basically a 90-minute demolition of Union Berlin, who looked like, as Peter said before, they could get relegated as things stand. They've got a big dilemma over these two weeks. Are they going to keep Uwe Fischer and risk relegation, or are they going to try and get like a bigger name coach in to try and save them? But obviously that would mean the legend of the east part of Berlin would be fired, which would be sad for all concerned. But as for the game, I mean, obviously Grimaldo with another amazing strike, just a ridiculous player, seriously. Then two kind of scrappy goals, really, from Kosanu and Tarr put the game long, long beyond um, the away side before. Nathan Teller, the Englishman, actually, who looks really good as well, another good player, on their roster, scored a really nice goal combining well with Amin Adli for 4-0. Then moving on to the final game of the weekend, was um, this was a kind of mixed one in terms of quality, really. I thought Leipzig, Freiburg. I mean, obviously Leipzig scored a really good first goal for, through Javi Simmons. And then, I mean, probably goal of the weekend. I mentioned, uh, obviously, the young man, uh, Demirovic, before with a really good goal. But this strike from Merlin Rural, what a goal that was. Like, you pick the, the ball up from halfway and dribble past the entire team and basically still had the finish to go with it as well in the night, the 40, no, the sixth minute about it on time at the end of the first half. That was an amazing goal from them. But, yeah, a little bit of a soft penalty, I felt, uh, gave Leipzig the win. Ultimately, probably was just about a penalty. But, you know, I don't think Christian Strike would have been particularly happy about that one at all. That ultimately cost his team a point. And then Baumgartner with a, another pretty lucky goal, really, a very big deflection to the 3-1. So, yeah, that pretty much rounds up, um, yeah, the, the, the weekend this week. Peter, any kind of closing remarks this week? Well, um, the uh, we mentioned the we glossed over the firecracker incident there at the VVK Arena. Um, mm -hmm. I think that Hoffenheim have responded very well. They've identified the culprits. The ultras have gotten involved. Uh, everybody handled that situation very, very well, and and they were able to finish the match without suspending it. Um, warm wishes to uh, <clears throat> SV Darmstadt 98 trainer Thorsten Lieberknecht. Uh, who has um, left the club to attend uh, a serious personal matter, fam uh, familial matter. His, his wife has had a stroke. The nil-nil draw wasn't entirely boring to me because Darmstadt are missing like three players to suspension and their coach. So I was a little curious to see how they would react and they reacted well enough. Uh, Moritz mentions that Marvin Schweber had a good performance in goal for Kern. He has. Poor Timo Horn is, is uh, <laughs> crying himself to sleep somewhere. <laughs> and um, yeah, the, nothing more to say about the Leverkusen match. Thank you for bringing up Merlin Rue, who, uh, who is really, he had a great um, uh, goal uh, in the Europa League as well. So yeah. uh, the Germany uh, U21 international, for those who watch the German U21s, I cover them for Bully News. Um, <clears throat> I, they're always worth checking out if you, if you love Germany. So we'll be keeping a close eye on him. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot again in the chat as well. Really good chat tonight. It's always great to get talking to you guys and seeing some regulars as well on there. So, yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw tonight, then check out our Twitter as well, which is at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Don't forget to follow Rory as well at Village Footy 20 with all of the kind of his opinions on the games and also some extra information about the channel. 
And also don't forget to like, comment and subscribe as well because it kind of helps us continue to build. And yeah, my throat needs a rest, I think now. So yeah, thank you very much, guys. Peter, it was an absolute pleasure as always. And we will like see that. you in two weeks because obviously um, the international break this weekend. So see you then, guys. Ciao, ciao.